The job of a political correspondent is a difficult one. On one hand, the congressmen, senators, and cabinet members are terrified of you and the power that you wield as a journalist. They also hate you for it, although they'd never ever admit to that. This is the other side of the coin, the fake wine and dine world of political fundraisers and dinners. Behind every smile I sense the seething anger, the latent distrust that lingers in the grip of every firm handshake. It's all part of the game though. We journalists have a symbiotic relationship with politicians, a never-ending dance of back-scratching and back-stabbing that, at the end of the day, always seems to even out. These days, I'm more worried about the other journalists at my office than the people we are struggling to cover. With massive layoffs left and right, the newspaper business is failing hard and succumbing to the massive wave of blogs and gossip sites. The traditional media is scared to death, and we all know that our days are numbered, which makes inside scoops even more valuable. This is why I'm so intrigued when a mysterious email appears in my mailbox, announcing itself with a familiar ding that resounds through the office. Everyone whips their head instinctively as I quickly turn down the speakers on my computer, glancing over my shoulder until the rest of my office has resumed work on their own tasks at hand. Once I know that nobody else is watching, I double-click on the unread email icon and a message appears on the screen. It's nothing but an address and a time. 8392 Hewitt Boulevard, 1130. I know the area, and it's not the safest part of D.C. to be sneaking around in the middle of the night. I should probably ask someone to come with me, but like I said, this business is cutthroat, and there's no way I'm letting somebody else in on my story. I copy the message down on a piece of paper and then immediately delete the email and continue with my work, pretending that nothing has happened. Hank, my boss, Alan shouts as he comes up behind me. You have that beast on the Russian weapons deal yet? I swivel around in my chair to face him, a large and imposing figure that stares down at me with his chubby red face and wiry gray hair. No, sir, I tell him. I'm still trying to fit a few of the pieces together on that, but I think I have a lead. A lead, he prods. Is it a good one? I sigh. Honestly, I don't know. But right now, the story just isn't all there. It's just rumors at this point. I need something else to pin it down if it's going to mean anything. I trust you, Hank, Alan tells me, but we need to turn this into something. Everyone else is already running with it. Yeah, they're running with rumors, I protest. It's not real news. Who cares, he yells, raising his voice to a point that the entire office suddenly goes silent. Alan looks around and struggles to calm himself, immediately realizing that he's taken things too far. All right, everyone, back to work, he announces, causing the frantic clicking of keyboards to resume. I can make it work, I tell him. Alan lowers his voice. I know, I'm sorry. We need this story, though, solid or not. We're the only ones not reporting on this yet. Understood, I tell him. I'll let you know what happens with this lead. He starts to walk away and then stops, turning back around. Has your computer been acting up today? I shrug. Not really, why? Apparently there's a virus going around. IT is going to be rebooting everything later. We don't really know anything other than that. Just keep an eye out. Okay, thanks for the heads up, I tell him before turning back around.